0: Thank you all for listening to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry Podcast, brought to you by Raisin Grace Studios. want to give a big shout-out to all of our sponsors, Nobles Networking, Williams Tire, Straight Haggard Thread Company, Par Hopper Golf Apparel, Grid Iron Coffee, our management company, Red Circle. Thank you for putting a little change in my pocket and all the corporate sponsors that they work with. Uh, a few weeks ago on my show, I had Miss Jen Street, who had a wonderful story, and uh, she got me hooked up with Miss April Scarborough. Uh, she is the author of Breaking the Chains. This book is about a young woman who survived sexual abuse from my father on drugs to being sex trafficked at 19, and then caught in a domestic violence relationship with the man that saved her life from the traffickers. It never lets up um on the hardship and trials in the end she is a survivor overcoming it all working on helping others like her that is from the back of her book i'd like to introduce y'all to miss april scarborough the memoirs of a survivor breaking the chains how you doing today
1: good morning
0: do you know how long of an intro that was for me (laughs) uh i didn't know how really to introduce you yeah. And then I saw the back of your book a while ago when I was just paying attention or just messing around. I was like, no, that's perfect. That oh, did is- you
1: see the picture on the back?
0: The picture on the back. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's you.
1: I mean, did you read it? What it says next The time?
0: photo was taken first. April was freed from a child Oh, that's cool. No, I didn't. Yeah. I did not yeah. pay attention to that.
1: My husband was going to pay for a professional to take some pictures of me, and I'm like, man, I done had three kids. This is, you know, the most I've ever weighed in my life. I'm like, mm-mm, I don't like taking pictures anymore. It's so okay. I'm
0: it's he- a <laughs> he- healthy weight. It's healthy I, weight.
1: I, I flipped through, and I was like, you know what? He was the one that actually took that photo. And I was like, this photo is the one. Yeah. Because it has that meaning.
0: Um. This is going to be an emotional show. I can already tell. (laughs) I already tell. You're sitting there just even doing that, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm fucked. I'm crying on this one. Um, Your story from the little bit Mm -hmm. that I have gauged about it. I try my best when I've got someone like you coming in not to dive too much into their story before they get here. Uh, Jen told me about you, and I was like, I've got to have her on my show because her story just seems so powerful and everything. And then I started looking into you, and I was like, oh shit, this one's, this one's going to be rough. Um, we do a lot of domestic violence shows on here. We do a lot of stuff about helping women and, uh, your story from what I've seen is just, it's unreal. I mean, it obviously happened to you, so it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a nightmare to you, but to most of us, it's like a dream, a very bad one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know where we start with this. I mean, it's, I guess from what I, I, I've got to see a little bit, it's kind of started as a child, right? Yeah. Well, first off, tell them your social media stuff first, so they can go look you up as uh-huh. soon as this is over.
1: Um. Well, because I started a nonprofit. Yeah. In 2017, and that's when I started actually telling my story. Okay. Um. It took me, uh, over 10 years to even realize that I had been sex trafficked to begin with. Um, I guess because, like you were saying, it it seems unreal. yeah my story seems unreal. even to me sometimes, I'm like, how can I go from one thing to the next to the next to all these different abuses? Um, but yeah, my my social media, so is Victoria's lighthouse, um, human trafficking support on Facebook, and I actually just started TikTok like four days ago after listening to one of your other stories. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to try this because I'm not a big social media person. And so you can find me on Victoria's at Victoria's Lighthouse on TikTok.
0: Um, yeah, uh, you made me laugh when you came in. You said you started TikTok because mm-hmm. of somebody else on here. It mm-hmm. is as much shit as I give it. It is such a good way to get your message out, to get your story. It's the biggest platform there is right now. So it's kind of, if you're not using it, you're kind of missing out on opportunities. So I'm glad you're on there. You'll you'll get a lot of notoriety on there. You should.
1: Yeah. Uh. One of my first story just took off overnight, and um, I think I posted it two days, two two or three days ago, and within like a day, it had like seven thousand likes and forty five something thousand views. And I'm like, yeah. whoa! I could never get this on Facebook. Yeah, fa- <laughs> I have like a few hundred followers on Facebook.
0: Facebook is stupid. <laughs> uh. The algorithm of TikTok works for some people. It works against other people. But if you're authentic the way... I tell songwriters the same thing I'll tell you. Is only the only person that can tell your story or sing their song is you. Because mm-hmm. you're the only person that's lived it. You're the only person that understands the meaning of the words to your book or to a songwriter's song. And... You know, there's something special about that. And TikTok is the only platform that kind of acknowledges that. They acknowledge an individual. They acknowledge somebody who, I don't like the word trendsetter, but they acknowledge somebody that is different than the other billion people on there. And you telling your story and getting, you know, some notoriety in the past couple days. It's just, it'll help more people. It'll help more people. And I think that that is the good side of TikTok. For the most part, I hate it, though. Um, but let's kind of start this, um, let's pretend it's page one of your book or page one of whatever. Okay. Where did your journey start?
1: So I like to, to always say that, um, my story feels like a lifetime movie. That's where I normally like to start off is that it's unreal Um, but it, it started in my childhood. Um, and that was the hardest part for me to realize that everything that I went through, that this is where it started. And I almost had completed my master's in psychology with emphasis in trauma. All I had left was my internship and they dissolved the program. Still got to pay it back, but, um. You
0: did that in the past couple of years?
1: Yeah. I was just, um, a few months ago with COVID and everything. Um, I couldn't find an internship, and then they dissolved the program. So they're like, "Oh well, sorry." Um, so I switched it to my master's in uh, what is it, public administration with emphasis in government and policy. Okay. Because my husband's like, "Look, you never wanted to to get in front of people and and counsel them because you tried that, and every time you do, you end up in the bed uh, depressed for days on end." And so he's like, "You you just you can't do that." And he's like, where you're meant to be is changing laws. He's like, you've done that in your city. And he's like, you're, you're working on your state laws. And he's like, you you want to go to Washington. That is your goal, to go to Washington go and to make Washington. people. <laughs>
0: don't go to Washington.
1: <laughs> I, I want to make a difference. I, you know? I mean,
0: I, I'm all about that. I just, well, uh, changing
1: national like, yeah, laws. Well, i get
0: that. Uh, um, I'm just one of these people that believes in, like, you know what the wildfire effect is? Wildfire effect is... Uh, let's say me and you sitting here today, mm-hmm. that your story touches one person. Then it causes that person to then tell their story. Then it causes another person that heard them to tell their story. It's the wildfire effect. There's you brought mm-hmm. you drop a match in a brush, and that little bitty match all of a sudden turns into a forest fire, wildfire effect. And I, I, the, the people that get wrapped up in politics, I work in it. And it is kind of a joke for the most part of the time. Um, I think what you're doing locally and what you're trying to bring about with your book and talking to people and everything—I like that, think that's where. Not tell you what to do. If you want to go to Washington, <laughs> you go. Go to Washington all you want to, but uh, I think that's where you make a difference. I think you start. It's paying it forward. It's it's making a difference one person at a time. Everybody thinks you got to go to Washington to make a difference. Or, once again, I'll bring it back, songwriters, everybody thinks you gotta go to Nashville to make it big in country music. You don't. Mm -hmm. You can make a, if you're good at what you do, and you make a difference Mm -hmm. in this world, then people are gonna know about you. It don't matter if you're in Cochran, Georgia. Right now you're in Cochran, Georgia, you'll make a difference in somebody's life today. I think that's just as important as going to Washington. But, Never mind, I'm I'm just an asshole. No, I hear you. I just just want people, because you know what happens when you focus on something that big Mm -hmm. about going to Washington or whatever? I'm not Mm -hmm. saying you would. Uh, I'm saying the majority of people. They forget that there's, no, why not want to be like with me? I want to make a difference on a local level, so I want to work in city council Mm -hmm. eventually, not now. That's good enough for me. Cause it's the cause I want it to grow, and I want other people to keep pushing and pushing and pushing the message. And uh, you no, know, you could. There's probably organizations around here. Do you guys speak to organizations around here?
1: I do. Um, I, like I was saying like yeah. when you were talking about how it can be authentic on here, yeah. and stuff. And I'm like, oh, thank you, because that's why I started Victoria's Lighthouse was when, when I first started speaking. It was people wanted me to only tell a little part. They didn't want to yeah. tell about the um every day struggling with suicide. They didn't want me to talk about how I done drugs when I was younger or about my abuse from childhood. They just wanted to hear, oh, you were kidnapped by your boss and you were drugged and you were sold. But they don't want to hear the backstory of how I got there.
0: Well, let's focus on the backstory right now then anyway. But it started off with you as a child. Yes. Okay. Kind of give us a little um, insight to what happened as a child.
1: Well, it was July 4th, 1991. I was four years old. And um, I guess you got to understand that my mother and father had drug issues. I remember seeing them shoot up heroin at four. There was uh, domestic violence all through back and forth between them the whole time, constantly. Um, So with my real father, he was a big man very tall, very Irish, bright red hair, tattoos, you know, huge, huge area. And so I was, I was scared of him. I was literally scared of him all the time. Um, and then it got worse, uh, that night, my mom had actually left him. So they were separated and he, he always wanted me. He never wanted my brothers and my sister. He wanted me. He treated me differently than he treated them. Always did. Um, and that night he got high. My mom wasn't there for him to abuse or to make her do what he wanted her to do. And I had gotten up to go to the bathroom, and he took me to the living room, and that's the first time I was abused. Um, it didn't get too too far. He realized what he was doing, and he stopped. Um, he called my mom, said, "Come get the kids." She came and got us, and he turned around, and I guess because of what he did, um, he tried to shoot himself. Oh, shit. Um, Yeah, he shot himself in the chest. He survived. I have a lot of suicide in my family. Um, I had a cousin that shot himself in the head and survived. Um, I've had an aunt that killed herself. I had another uncle that killed himself. So, like I said, when I say it runs in the family, it runs in the family, and I've struggled with it. Myself. I've struggled with um, it. Even my, my autistic nine-year-old has been in the hospital from trying to commit suicide. And people's like, how can a kid do that? And I'm like, you, it, it's a... Um, it, it's
0: a chemical imbalance in yeah, the brain. It's, I'm like, it's, it's pa- it's pa- depression is passed along genetically. Especially yeah. when you grow up certain ways. You just, you just... There's no way to get away from it.
1: Yeah, no. Um, so that, that was the first uh, thing that, that happened to me. Um, shortly after that, it was my cousin he had um, touched a lot of girls in the family. And I never knew that he was touching these other girls. Um, until recently, a few years ago, he had gotten arrested and only served 11 months in jail for molesting his stepdaughter. And he was charged with sexual misconduct with a child on the age of 13.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, I've been clear on this show how I feel about mm-hmm. that. And uh, I, there's, just no, there's no fix in that shit, besides for a bullet, a bullet or tall tree, rope, whatever you want to say. And uh, I know it's been in your family. But let me ask you that. Let, just let me the, the steer it off subject for just a second. As somebody who's been abused as a child, how do you feel about that? When you, when you can sit here and say that this person only served 11 months, if somebody would have, when you were abused by this person, for the sake of argument, or to simplify it, would have gave them the old Western view on it. Would have done what they thought needed to be done. Just okay. ended, ended them. They would have never hurt anybody else, right? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? How do you think that some of these people deserve second chances?
1: I don't think they can. That's one thing that we, we definitely agree on, is that they can't be changed.
0: I've never heard the success story.
1: Never, never. and that's why me And that's how me and Jen met. Yeah. was was doing that and, and working on trying to catch a pedophile and through that. That's when I started going, I need to change the state law because I, I'm like, this is this is crazy that he only served 11 months. But then what got me to is that, yes, he's automatically put on the sex reg- registry, right?
0: That does not do shit.
1: No, it doesn't. But there's there's a way that I wanted to kind of help make a difference with that is that in Georgia, they are on three levels, level one, two and three. I didn't know that. Yeah, level one means they're li- less likely to repeat, more likely like the um, Romeo and Juliet type stuff. That's that's not gonna happen uh, what's again. What's
0: it called? Um, damn it! What's that word? It's it's uh, statutory. Yeah, statutory. Yeah,
1: I'll call them Romeo and Juliet. Okay, um, the the ones that aren't likely gonna be repeat offenders are level ones. Level twos are kind of eh. level threes should be your child offenders right you would think because they're the ones that get stricter punishments the ones that their parole officers are going to be looking at harder yeah the ones that but people like my cousin aren't even leveled i'm like how is that possible how
0: does that happen
1: because they just don't i guess they don't feel like he's a repeat offender because she was the only one that came forward i'm like how old is he he is a little older than me, so he was born in...
0: And she's 13 whenever he got the She sentence. was
1: like 11 when, they, when he got oh,
0: the do Oh, no, sentence. no, kill him.
1: He was in his 30s, and she he, was 11.
0: Yeah, kill that motherfucker. He was almost
1: in his 40s. Um, but he, he learned it from my uncle.
0: Yeah, well, and, and that's something else that I talk about yeah. a lot. And, like, I don't... I'm not a... I don't know what the word would be. It's not like I'm... Damn it. For some reason, my brain's is not working good today. I am not somebody who has investigated, investigated, investigated. I don't have, I don't have a doctorate in this shit. I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm saying, but I've watched a lot of documentaries. I've read a lot of articles, a couple books every once in a while, and it's all it's generational. It's mm-hmm. it's taught to you. It's mm-hmm. most of these people. If it happens to them as a child, it's normalized to them. Mm-hmm. People don't realize how big of a word normalized is. To where, when something continuously happens to you, you do not see the wrong in it anymore. No. You don't. You it's it's normal to you. It is it's what your level of normality is. Everybody has a different level, and most of these people that are abuses children, um, I'm glad you didn't. You know, I'm glad you're you're not that way. But for the majority of people that are abused as mm-hmm. children, they abuse children as adults. Mm-hmm. It's just they it's just normal to them.
1: See, we were both kids when he was abusing me, and it turned out he was abusing my sister, and he was abusing another cousin of ours. Yeah. But the thing with him, like I was saying, he was taught that way. Yeah. Because my uncle would brought him a prostitute when he was like twelve years old. Yeah. All his sons, he's like, "You're a man now. Let's get this done." And he would be like, "It's okay to sleep with your cousins. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that." And he, you know, big time drunk and. That run in our family, too, yeah. was drugs and drinking, and that's not a good mix.
0: No, it's not.
1: And so, yeah, so he was raised. He was taught like that, and I wish I would have said something, but again, you know, I was a kid. You're,
0: you're a kid. Uh, I, I, You don't know to say anything. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing is, is what's fucked up about all of it is it's not like it was normal to you because it was a child, but you had been around it enough to where... Mm-hmm. It's just another thing. It's just another thing that's in the same line of the rest of the shit. And it's probably even in your mindset as a child, before you figure out as an adult or when you get older, when your brain develops, that this is wrong. You probably don't even know it's wrong at the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You, I mean, it's, that's not your fault. When you're around something so much, like I said, that was y'all's normal. It's a fucked up normal for y'all. Mm-hmm. But you didn't know the difference. And that, but that, like I said, that you can't sit here and say, I should have told you didn't know to tell. And I'm not trying to make an excuse for anybody. They shouldn't have done what the fuck they did, but you literally did not know to tell. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, actually when, um, brings me to the next point yeah. when I was in school. So I would, I would scream and cry anytime a man would come around me. Yeah. Um, my stepdad came into our lives when I was four and thank God he did because he was the rock in my life. The only person that, that cared about me. Um, cause like I said, I had, my mom was still on drugs when she met him. She did get off the street drugs, but she went to pop and pills. So she was still never there. Um, he was the only one that I had and, um, he stuck with me for two years. I'd scream and cry and literally piss my pants. And he was like, and he would always tell us, um, I never heard the words, I love you, growing up. Never. He w- he had a hard life, too. Yeah. And he, he would always, the things he did was so that we wouldn't have the life that he had. Um, but he would tell us all the time, I didn't choose your mom. I chose and fell in love with you guys. That's cool. And that was his way of saying I love you um, to us. But, yeah, he was the one that was always there and taught me morals and gave me my sailor mouth, love for tattoos and motorcycles, you know. <laughs> that ain't nothing wrong
0: with that shit. That's um, nothing wrong with that. But
1: in in school, so go back to the whole school thing, they knew. They knew straight up.
0: Your school knew?
1: My school knew. I would scream anytime time a man walked in the room. I'd be myself. Um, they went to my mother and said, look, she's been abused. Um, you need to get her help. And, of course, my mom's so high on the uh, SOMAs back then didn't didn't care. Um, didn't really wasn't, it, she was in all little world. Um, so the school what they did was they they told her that she needed to send me to a doctor to get checked. And of course I screened with the doctor. And the doctor's like I can't even examine her. I can't even get near her.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: she's been abused. They even said she's been abused. Um, so the school what they did was they threw me in special ed. Um, I remember the teacher to this day how she grabbed my arm and she would she'd go, Scream, just scream and I'll let you go. And I and I couldn't do it. Yeah. I was so scared and I wouldn't like I literally wouldn't talk. Um and that entire time when I was in in the special ed, all we did was watch Disney movies. Yeah. We never learned anything. And that put me so far behind, like all the way until through high school. I didn't do a single assignment at all. And so, like, now when my kids are, are learning something, and thankfully all my, my kids are smart. They're gifted. They're beautiful. They're, cool. they're extremely smart. They never study. They excel in their tests and stuff, and I'm like, "Go down here. Are you sure you're mine? <laughs> <laughs> you sure? Because uh, I I can't even spell. You know, definitely. You know, I have I to ask. I it's... have to ask my husband all the time. Yeah. He's I'm over here going writing papers for school.
0: Do you which... uh do you know a common like factor between people that are considered uh highly intelligent? Hmm. They can't spell. Really, I,
1: uh,
0: yeah. Albert Einstein. If it makes you feel any better, Albert that Einstein <laughs> could not spell four-letter words, but that. he came up with uh, <laughs> he came up with great theories and everything that turned yeah. out to be hundred percent true. It's uh, I read something about it a long time ago, and it's just where your brain is functioning. Uh-huh. I'm ADD, like I have attention deficit disorder out this fucking world, right? They've explained it to me before that one reason why I have such a hard time spelling. Is my brain is firing at five hundred different ways mm. at a time, that it doesn't understand the concept of just spelling the word. Just say it. Mm. Like it doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. There's nothing wrong with but you. That
1: makes me feel better. Yeah, there's the, I'm yeah. like I can hold a 3.9 GPA. In yeah, a level, no, so. look it
0: up. <laughs> You'll be so surprised at the amount of people that are geniuses wow. that could not spell.
1: That reminds me of a little story though, and if I tell you this story, you're part of the family. Okay. Because I I normally hate telling this story because I don't tell it to just anybody, right. okay? um, So, I was in first grade. And like I said, I couldn't spell. I would normally get one or two words right on the spelling test. First time ever, I only get one wrong, right? I'm so excited. I go, of course, I run straight to the one person in my life that I'm so excited about to tell. I run to my stepdaddy. I show him the test. He bust out laughing. okay. Like, why are you laughing, right? Seriously, why are you laughing? You know what word I misspelled? What? Shirt. So you know what I spelled?
2: Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. So if I was an adult. He would still be like, hey, April. I'm like, yeah. He'll be like, how do you spell shirt? To this day, like I have a business, right? Yeah. And I sell shirts. Yeah. And I do decals. And so I can stay home with my autistic child. And in my name. I, I didn't put shirt in there. I put tees. I'm like, all right, we're gonna do tees and decals because yeah. I'm not gonna use the word shirt Tease because it's decals. like my scare yeah. word.
0: <laughs> no, no, that, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but uh, let, let let's go back. That's funny. That, that tickles me because I'm just I'm just saying more. I shorten shit all the time so I don't have to spell it on <laughs> everything else. Um, but let's go back. Let's uh let's. Try, I'm trying to keep the timeline here because your story's so interesting. Um, I just I wanna just to keep following it. So um, you were talking about. Around when you got to high school and everything, and being in special mm-hmm. education and all and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. So um, by the time I got in high school, the way I thought love was was, um, you know, going after these these like to get their their attention. Yeah. Um, actually, my my boyfriend in high school was such a sweetheart, um, <laughs> and wouldn't do anything with me. Yeah. Um, but it made me go, "What's wrong with me? Yeah." what's wrong with me and for him not to want me like that. Um, so after we broke up, of course I was like, always like any man that told me I'm beautiful or whatever, I'm automatically just gonna yeah. go, Oh, I'm so in love. Right. Because I thought that if he tells me I'm beautiful, then he loves me Yeah. because I never understood what love was. So, um, so right after, after high school, um, I was, working, I was working at Publix in the bakery, and I always quit. I don't know why they kept hiring me back, because I'd quit on a whim. And my, my doctors would always say it was because I was bipolar, but yeah. I think it was the, just the trauma stuff um, and the depression. So I would just quit, and I ended up quitting on a whim again. But I had already moved out of my house, and I was renting a room from a, a Spanish lady that I worked with at a previous job. And I was like, I don't want to go back home and tell my daddy he won, that he was right. I wasn't ready for this world, and this and that. So how um, how old were you? This nineteen. Week. Okay, nineteen. So that's um, that's when I met my trafficker. Um, he had came to the house. I didn't know he was a drug dealer in the neighborhood because we weren't in that great of a neighborhood. And um, he's like, Hey, why are you crying? And then the next thing he said to me was, you got such beautiful eyes, you shouldn't be crying. And I told him, I just lost my job, and I don't know what to do. I don't drive, you know. um." So he he was really nice. I mean, like, he's like, well, I'm a manager in a restaurant near Atlanta, and I live near here, so it's not a problem for me to pick you up back and forth and take you back and forth. You're just going to be a waitress serving hot wings and beer. Yeah. I'm like, cool. You know, my daddy didn't win type thing. We 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 butted heads. We loved each other, but we're both Capricorns, we butted heads. Um But yeah, so when he said that, um, he told me to go upstairs and change. And so I did. Um I got in the car, we we drove to the the restaurant. There wasn't anybody there, but like one customer and the owner. And the I thought it was a little weird but didn't really think too much of it when the owner was just like picking up my life, like, just like sit down, let's talk. Mm-hmm. Didn't fill out an application, didn't do any of that stuff. Um, and he took me back, you know, I, I got back home next day, he took me back again. And this time the place is packed. And the owner was like, here, when somebody buys you a beer, you're supposed to drink. And I'm like, cool. I never drunk before. You know, this is going to be a cool job, right? What 19-year-old wouldn't want a job like that, right? Yeah. Um, So he had, the owner had handed me a beer, and I took a few sips, and automatically I knew something was wrong. I got so dizzy. Um, I remember trying to stand up and go into the door, and all these men started getting up and blocking it. And I'm, like, just sluggish, right? Like, just waving back and forth, can barely walk. Uh, the owner takes me, and he's like, Cut, just come lay down. Just come lay down. You'll feel better. He takes me to a room that's supposed to be like an office, right? The only thing in there was like one of the green army cots that you see in you know, like a homeless shelter, yeah. or military cot, cot. Military cots, yeah. Yeah. Only thing in there. And my mind starts racing then. Like, what's going on? And he lays me down. And I'm sitting there going, okay. Okay, you know, i um, I'm trying to move. I can't at this point. I'm practically paralyzed. He brings in two men. And to this day, like, I remember the way they looked, the way they smelled, what they were wearing. I remember the older one going how much and handing him some money. And then I remember him bending down, going up my leg. And I remember saying the words no and then passing out. And I woke up the next morning, and I knew what happened. And I said that in my book. I said, I knew what happened in that moment when I woke up. But the thing that bugs me to this day was I don't know how many. I don't know if it was just the older man, the younger man had a turn that was with him. This
0: is all inside of a restaurant, by the way?
1: In a restaurant, yeah. Or, you know, if it was even more that night. I have no idea. Um, I ended up walking out and the older man and some of the other men were still there and the older man was trying to give me a couple hundred bucks I'm like no no I already feel dirty no um, so I ended up I had $31 on, in my pocket used the rest of that to get most of the way home in a taxi Um, I remember what I was wearing I remember walking the streets and hearing catcalling and I'm sitting there busting out in tears trying to just make it home I get home and guess who shows up the dude. The manager, yeah.
0: It's probably good that you don't remember. You know that, right? Like I know you're sitting here mm-hmm. saying that you know you woke up the next morning and you was like you just don't remember and that bothers you. It's probably a good thing you don't. You know that you you know how special like our brains are mm-hmm. to where a lot of our trauma
1: mm-hmm.
0: our brain automatically blocks it out.
1: Mm-hmm. It blocked it out a lot with my cousin, and that that was actually brought up through therapy. Yeah, um, because mom. My therapist is like, something else happened. What are you hiding?
3: Yeah.
1: And through therapy, we were able to figure it out. But I was like, all right, I'm done. Stop. I don't want to know anymore. Yeah, I don't want to remember anymore.
0: I'm that way. Uh, I don't think I've ever had anything, obviously, even close to that traumatic happen to me. But all the stuff that I've like dove into, the people I've talked to, your, your brain being the way it is, it takes the things that you can't handle, and it puts... Deep down in a box. And that's one of the things that I have problems with therapists about is if you're, and please don't, I don't mean this towards you. I'm just going to say this mm-hmm. towards me. If I'm blocking out stuff that is that fucked up and I'm already a fucked up individual, I probably don't need to know about them fucked up things. I think this is my brain saving me.
3: Mm-hmm. There's a
0: lot of people that want to dive into that stuff. And once you figure it out, there's really no coming back from
1: yeah. it. That's kind of what happened with me with my cousin, yeah. and I'm like, this is why. Through when I got a little older, I like I said, I struggled with suicide. Yeah. I tried to kill myself a couple of times as a teenager. I struggled with cutting. I struggled with all these things, and I mentioned about it in my book. Um, and it's just, it's a taboo. It really is. Well, it's
0: um, it's, it's a it's a form of release. I, I've yeah. met I've met people that you would have never ever thought. Never mm-hmm. ever thought was like that. That mm-hmm. cut themselves, and it's always a, it's a surprise to me when you mm-hmm. see it. But also too, when you figure out why they do it, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a release. It's a yeah, it is it's it's with, the way that I you, could feel it, the pain. Yeah, you were taught mm-hmm. you were taught that with you know pain and pleasure, you didn't know the difference in it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, to me, it was like I couldn't understand the other pain. I couldn't yeah. understand what was going on. There was so much in my mind constantly. Exactly. And this was a way for me to fill it. Yeah. And to just get it over just to, the
0: release. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's hard it's hard to describe, but yeah. But um after my the, the guy who, whose nickname was Shorty, that's came, what I called came him. To the house. Came back to the house. Um, I got in the car and I told him what happened. I'm like, this happened to me. and because I 'cause I didn't know he was in on it. I didn't yeah. I was still naive, very naive. And I'll never forget the way he acted and what he said to me. He's like, I know. I know exactly what happened to you and I own you now and this is going to be your life. And if you don't do what I say, I'm going to come back and I'm going to kill everybody in that house that you care about. Cause he knew like the lady was more of a mother to me than my own mother. And, and then he pulled up the console of his car and he pulled out a gun and he put it to my temple. And then he threw a bunch of birth certificates and, and social security cards. And he's like, I make people different people all the time. And so I can make you disappear. You don't even know my real name. You don't even know who I am. So good luck going to anybody and telling them what happened. And then that's when he drove me back to his place. And he raped me a few times to insert his control over me. To say, this is, this is what you're going to do. Um, I remember after that, he actually took me to... To Burger King, dropped me off with another guy that he was getting papers for, and um, that guy was like, "What? What's wrong?" Like he could tell something. When I wouldn't talk. Um, they ended up beating him up to the point where, like, they had him tied up in the restaurant, beating him up because he was trying to help me. And to this day, like, well, I don't know if they it, killed him or just beat him up.
0: Um, I just want you to clarify something real quick, like just in case there's any confusion. Uh, you just said that at Burger King, mm-hmm. Burger King was not the restaurant that you were abused at. No, the, okay, that's the, the rest- way that you just made it sound. Yeah, he I just tra- I, mean, no, he I don't me want people. I don't want people going to fucking Burger Kings <laughs> no. ordering uh, whoppers <laughs> and ass whoopings. Like, I don't. I don't want that to happen.
1: No, this place was. Um, and I'll show you. I'll show you when we're done on Google Maps. Um, and it's one thing that I've always wanted to do. And I know it sounds weird. I'll take these out. they hurt my ears. That's fine. Um, it, it was in Atlanta like I said, it was in Atlanta. It was a little Spanish restaurant. It's not there anymore. It got, they, when I escaped, they actually closed the place down and was gone. Like they were up and gone. Like, Oh, she's, she's going to go and, and tell her whatever. They weren't taking that chance. They yeah. were upped and moved. And that's weird. That's weird for a restaurant just to be gone the next day. No, nothing, nothing there. Um, now I think it's like a Chinese tea place, but I always wanted to go back and just say, "You, this place has no power over me anymore."
0: Yeah, I'd burn it down.
1: Um, <laughs> Well, like is that it's, it's not it's not that place t- yeah
0: I, but still you're tougher than me just because um, it's got a different name change it's still the same building
1: well I still want to that's why I want to go back that's why I want to go back and say yeah. you know this this place um has no how, does it have that control um I haven't gone back but it, it is a goal of mine but I wanted to go back with somebody actually recording recording it for me yeah um so that I can actually show people real life the emotion and the trauma behind it. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people, when they see the places and they see the pictures and they see the things, the story becomes more real to them. Yeah. And so, um. but yeah, he had, um. he had taken me, like I said, that that guy, I never knew what happened to him. I always blame myself for that. You wouldn't blame um, yourself. I was trying to get out. You know, yeah. I was trying to, I was trying to get get help
0: well well, before we talk about you getting out let's uh let's go back to where he pretty much says that he owns you Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff how long did the trafficking of you happen from the time that he takes you back to his place the first time um and says this is your life now to where you
1: not not long um that day he was actually taking me to another guy and I remember walking into the apartment and going, oh, God, this guy's going to ring me too. Yeah. Like like how many – like I remember thinking, how long can I live like this? How long can I actually go on? And the guy looks at me and goes, honey, you're not my type. And um, apparently I was there to learn Spanish dances. Okay. And um, this is another thing that I want to do in the, in the kind of documentary that I want to do of going back is I want to go to these nightclubs because each culture – traffics differently they they do and i was trapped in the spanish culture and the spanish trafficking um so that's what i know more about um so what they were te- gonna do was they they go to these nightclubs and these girls they'll cut a song really really short and they'll dance with these girls they call them five dollar girls if the girl's lucky she's allowed to keep that five dollars but most of the time, the pimp gets that money and the money that the guy gives gives the, them for the girl, right? So they'll go, they'll dance with the girl, they'll pay her five dollars. If They like her, they'll pay the pimp for more. Um, they'll take her to the bathroom or to parking lots. You're not Do talking about it's like
0: a strip club. You're talking about like a, a night dance. A just a regular ass dance club. dancing night. Yep,
1: yep. In Atlanta, it is prominent. It is like almost every nightclub down there has trafficking like really? that's going on. Yes, yes. And that's what I wanted to kind of do a documentary on um, and to show that this this happens, like, so prominently. So that's what they were about to train me to do, right? And so he took me there, and then the next night uh, he takes me back. And this time there is just so many people, and they weren't going to bother drugging me. They were like, you know what you have to do. Um, and they were literally taking open bits, open beds they were telling me go talk to this person go chat up this person um you know so that they twirl around like literally go up here do a little twirl do a little dance so they can look at you and then go to the next table and do the same thing and I'm like oh my god like this this is really happening right and there there was another girl there she's about 16 ish um I never knew her name I never knew her name. Um, we weren't allowed to talk. They, they were doing what they do at the, at the Spanish clubs. They put her on a back wall. The men would come in, take her to the restroom, put her right back. And she was pregnant.
0: Holy um, shit.
1: She was huge pregnant. Um, and this, this is the night I actually escaped. So I wasn't trafficked very long. Yeah. Um, that's when my ex had walked in. And he had sat down at the bar. And, again, I was giving signals like I did to the first guy. Something about me said, he he's different here. He's not hitting on me like the other guys. So I was.
0: It didn't, like, it didn't register with you that he's in this bar for a reason? No. Okay. No,
1: not at that time. Because, like I said, I was just so scared. Like, th- this is really happening. Like, I didn't even know I was trafficked for 10 years. Like, it didn't register me. I thought I was just raped. Like, it didn't register to me that, that there is such thing as trafficking where people actually pay, and people are trapped in, in that way. Like, I didn't understand it. Um, he, he seemed nice. He seemed, he seemed legit to me. So I was, I was so afraid to, like, tell him what was going on, but I was hitting around. And the next thing I know, the, the manager and the owner had went to the bathroom, and uh, when they did, he grabbed me by the hand, and we ran out the door.
0: Do, do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions about the restaurant? Sure. Okay. You didn't have I'm, – I'm trying to take a paint a picture for myself and mm-hmm. the listener here. You didn't have, like, families in there just sitting down eating or anything? No. This, people came here knowing what this mm-hmm. restaurant was. You might have been able to get beer and hot wings there.
1: They didn't even serve heart wings.
0: Okay. Let me tell you, you, they didn't even, that was a lie. Okay, 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 got you. That was a lie. Now, you've got to paint a picture with something, yeah. because it kind of, I didn't, if somebody was coming to this location, they knew why they were coming to this location. This wasn't a, if I saw a Mexican restaurant and I looked hungry, this, it would obviously be to where... I knew not to walk in here. Like th- exactly, okay. if you
1: walked in and they didn't know who you were, that's why they did that with him. They kept trying to pull me away. No, don't talk to him. Okay. Get you know, go over here to this this group. They were trying to get him out. Okay. Um. And it, like I said, he but he knew. He so if knew. you were there,
0: you knew what you were there for. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It had that, like um that 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 clarifies a little bit.
1: Yeah, it had like a few little pool tables, like two pool tables. And a rundown, it was like a rundown. Almost a
0: brothel type feel.
1: It was, definitely, okay. definitely. Um, like I said, the, the kitchen never been used. A huge kitchen back there, okay. never been used. That makes Like I said, in the office, like there was nothing in the office. Um, I looked it up trying to find the owner later on to try to, to, to go because I found out that he had just moved across the railroad tracks and yeah. was doing the same thing. So, I was like, I'm going to find out who this guy is. He wasn't on any papers. Um, I contacted the the people that were on the papers, and they were like, oh, he was just renting it from us, or da-da-da-da. Yeah. Um, they couldn't tell me anything. I couldn't track him down through paperwork. And that that was scary. Yeah. That was scary. Um,
0: Probably a little run-down-ass place, right? It was. Okay.
1: It was. Um, but, it, but the thing was, it was across the street from the Lake City Courthouse, and... A uh, huge church, and it was in a shopping center with a McDonald's and a, and a Spanish market behind it, but it was still off to itself. Okay. Um. But yeah, people knew exactly what was going on. Um. You had to know. But like I said was like,
0: it in a like a completely, like a complete uh, more of a Spanish community?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Um. And we'll get more into that. Okay. When I when I escape. Okay. Um.
0: Well, you, last thing you said before I interrupted you, I'm sorry. We, you and <laughs> him ran out the door. Uh, yeah, we, we can go um,
1: back. ran out the door, and um, he was. they were screaming and trying to stop us. And I remember reaching out to that girl, and it was like a slow-motion movie-type scene in yeah. my head. And I remember going, she's so close but so far away. Yeah. And she was scared. She was terrified. I remember just the fear in her eyes was like
0: How long did you and this guy talk before you decided that I was gonna dip the fuck out or you were gonna dip out?
1: Like maybe twenty minutes.
0: Okay.
1: Of me trying to go back to him and then pulling me away and then trying to kick him out. And that's what I said, like to me I didn't it didn't register. To me I was like, okay, here's the one guy that's gonna help me. Right? Was, um, what kind
0: of lines and stuff was he feeding you?
1: I it wasn't It wasn't like the other ones. He wasn't like, oh, you're so beautiful and trying to touch me. He was just generally, can I buy your beer? Um, What's your name? You know, where are you from? And he spoke really good English. Nobody in there spoke English. Yeah. So here's somebody I can actually talk to to say, help me. And just, it was more of an eye contact thing. Like he could tell, like I'm sitting here going, you know, just, just trying to convey that I was trapped. And I felt like he was getting me. I didn't know he knew at the time. Like I said, like, I didn't know he knew what was going on. I was naive. And so, yeah, we ran. I remember he took me back to his place. And he put me in a room and just left me there. Um, it didn't force me to have sex. It was like the first time that never happened. Um, so I was like, oh, he's, he's so nice. He's so sweet, right? And we had the honeymoon phase for, for a few months where he would just um, –
0: at any point in time of this that period, did you reach out to your your stepfather or or family members? Did they know where you was at, what you were doing? Um, I'm, just, I'm just trying to get some yeah. in, in, insight as to, uh, like I told you before we started. In my mind, I, I want to know why you didn't run. Yeah. Why you didn't run farther?
1: Yeah. Um, I did one time like that was in that picture. Yeah. That I showed you. That was. Like I said, that was the only picture taken me from 2006, 2011. Um, That was the – that one more time when a family member died was the only time I was allowed to go back home. And I didn't know at the time that he was telling me, hey, I don't want your family looking for you, so let's go. And you just tell them that you moved to Atlanta and you're good now and that's it, like pretty okay. much. Um,
0: But it wasn't like your family was reaching out either, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Well, me and my dad would – like I said me and my, my stepdad, we would talk every day. Okay. Um, he would allow me to use his phone. I didn't have a phone. Um, he would allow me to use his phone and talk to my dad every day and then that slowly got cut off. Okay. And like, like when I was trying to share that video, um, I was talking about that on my latest video in TikTok was I was showing this picture and I was talking about you know my stepdad and how he was the only support I ever had in my life. And in this moment when when I'm sitting there and, and I'm thinking back and I'm going, you know, he, he died in 2008. So during the time that I'm trapped into this, he he died in a car accident. And I didn't know until years later. My mom told me that they knew that I was trapped in a domestic situation. They're like, come on. Like, um, they, they both obviously knew something was wrong. And they're like... But you're, she's like your dad was, was scared. Um, she, Every time
0: you say your dad, you mean your step.
1: Must have died. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, the man that raised not the the first one. Um, I just
0: wanted I clarifying it for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because yeah. Um, he he raised me. He was yeah. my dad. He loved me like his own. Um, he knew, uh, but he was scared that if he said something to me, that I wouldn't. I would push him away. And that's what I wanted the listener or the watchers of TikTok to, to understand is that point of both sides of a domestic situation, the, how the family, how it affects them. And he, and I'm like, you know, that right there, that moment was actually the hardest thing I've ever dealt with out of anything, out of all the times I've been losing my stepdad, losing the, the one person that I've ever had in my life, and but losing him... The way I did, like not being able to say goodbye, not being able to say, yeah, not not being able to um to tell him that I got free, and I'm like he died. He knows. well, well he knows you got free. He's proud of getting free. <laughs> well, I was, but to me, I was like, you know, sometimes it feels like he died thinking I was going through hell. Yeah. Um. He, like I said, he he was scared. He was scared that I would push him away. I wouldn't come home. Um he didn't he didn't know what to do. And eventually I did get free. Eventually, and that will will tell you how I got free from him. How, but, how long
0: uh, of that period were you trapped with with that, him? With that guy.
1: Oh God. Uh calculate. Like I said, I'm just like some no, customer, no, so, um, <laughs> it, 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 you're fine. See from
0: Was it a year?
1: No, from it was from two thousand and six to two thousand and Eleven.
0: Okay, so five years. Okay.
1: Yeah, we had two kids together. Okay. Um, and like I said, that's when the honeymoon phase. That's what I was going to talk about. It. When the honeymoon phase ended was when I got pregnant. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I got pregnant, that phase was over and out the door. Um, I remember I was at the, the free clinic, and they gave me prenatals. I got back to the truck, and he just was like, no. He took the bottle. And chunked it so hard that it cracked the windshield of the truck straight across. Like, that's how pissed he was.
0: Why was he pissed? Because you were pregnant?
1: Because he had another family.
0: Oh, shit. In Mexico?
1: No, here. Well, there, too. But he was a player. Um, So
0: So he had you living in one place and he had a family living somewhere else? Yes. Was he living with you or with the family?
1: With me. Okay. Um, they were kind of together but separate. It was a very complicated uh, situation. It sounds that way. But they had a kid. He never wanted kids. He was a narcissist. He never, never, he even told me one time, he's like, is it normal for me not to care about my son, not to to um, have any feelings for my son?
0: No, he's a piece of shit. Um,
1: the only person he ever really semi-showed semi curation to was our daughter, and he never wanted a girl. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she was the only one. Like, when we separated, and um, at one point he was allowed to see the children, he didn't care to see our son. He only wanted to see our daughter. And he actually got in trouble for kidnapping her. Really? hmm
0: Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you something because it's what I would imagine anybody's thinking in that situation, did he only care for her for like abuse purposes or did, was it actual just he loved his daughter he just didn't love his son?
1: Well, like I said, he never wanted a daughter. It was part of the culture to so always want a male to carry on your name. Yeah. So I don't know. It was just something with her was more of, I guess, caring a little bit. Like I said, he never cared okay. about anybody, but with her... And it wasn't normal. It still wasn't normal care. Like he never bought her birthday present. He never, never do you bought think, her. I anything. guess what I'm
0: saying. Do you think he was thinking that one day he would abuse her, like that? That that time of love for for
1: it. Honestly, I don't know. Um,
0: I'm guessing it never got to that point. It,
1: yeah, it didn't. It didn't because she was four when I left. Okay. Um, I actually when I decided to to leave, when I realized the abuse, because for a long time, like I didn't realize. Hey, it's not normal that you can't read a book. It's not normal. You're not allowed to have a computer. It's not normal that he monitors your phone calls when when your family, when your dad, when I say your family, I mean your dad, um, keeps calling over and over and over again. So he finally, after like a month of them calling, that he lets you briefly talk to them and monitors it. Because the whole time I'm thinking, he's my savior. He saved me. He's such a good man. Yeah. He saved me from this life. So I felt like I had to say. I felt like I owed him that. And um, I remember the first time he ever laid his hands on me. Like I said, like we were going back. Like I said, the honeymoon phase ended when I got pregnant. So I was four and a half months pregnant with our our daughter. And the doctors were were telling me that she was going to have Down syndrome. Uh, She had three out of four markers. And they're like, even having one marker. Two, is big time.
0: I don't know. Anything so about she,
1: yeah. So she stuff. had, so she had three. She had three out of the four down syndrome markers. So I was like, just give me the test, um, to to see. But they were they were pushing me to have an abortion. So was he. Um, the whole time, he actually took me to Emory in Atlanta, and but thankfully the doctors and the nurses there, they don't allow the man. It can only be the woman in the room when in will ask you questions. They could tell I was scared and that I didn't want to be there. So they went out and they told him, we can't, we can't perform it. And that's all they said to him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, so of course, you know, we went back home. Like I said, um, he left his phone one night and, uh, cause he liked to go out drinking and go into those bars and restaurants where those $5 girls were. That's how I found out that he knew. Um, but we were, he left the phone behind, and I snuck and called my daddy. Yeah, and I was on the phone with my daddy, and I told him I said, "I'm pregnant," and they think the daughter, my daughter, has Down syndrome.
0: Well, when was your daughter born? Because I thought your father passed away, and I'm trying to get a timeline in She's, my head. Oh, uh, seven. Okay.
1: So I mean, like right after we met, I yeah. was pretty much pregnant. Like oh, okay. Oh, okay. After okay, we were okay. Ready okay. Yeah. That makes very shortly. You, you said
0: other. okay. That makes more sense to me. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, within, I think, a few, just very few months, I was pregnant, um, but, yeah, I had, I had called him, and told him, and he walked in, and he took that phone, and he threw it against the wall, and he jumped on top of me, threw me on the bed, and started choking me, and I I'm, I'm passed out, and I remember going, when he's choking me, I'm going, I'm thinking, this is it, I'm dying, hey, like, it's over right, and I remember I woke up, and I was like, I'm like, I'm alive, like, I remember think like, for a brief second, go, you know, going, did I just die, like, literally, I thought I'd died, um, I ended up, I remember trying to walk down the street, going, I'm walking back home, screw you, you know, um, I had that mentality, and he's like, no, 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 please, please, I'll never do it again, I was just scared when you told your father that you were pregnant, you know, um, that they're going to come here and see the way we live. And by the way we lived, I mean, we lived in a rundown trailer park in Atlanta. And probably some listeners probably know where I'm talking about. On um, it, It's a little Spanish place. It's Spanish and Vietnamese that live in there. There's no white people. There's no black people. It's just Vietnamese and Spanish. Mm. No one speaks English. When I walked in there, I felt like it was a third world country. Like I'm like, we're not in America anymore.
0: Because it's a third world country.
1: Um, the places were so rundown. There was no grass. These places look like they can be condemned. Uh, it, w- it was on Jonesboro Road. That's where it was on Jonesboro Road in Atlanta. Horrible, horrible place. And that's like when I when I was telling you when I walked outside, he had people call him and tell him because I don't know what he would tell them, but in their culture, whatever. I guess they thought I was sleeping around, I was a hoe, whatever. So they'd call him and tell him. And he'd be right back there, and I'd get my ass beat. Or I'd have to go with him and sit in the truck because he did roofing. And I'd have to sit in the truck while he was up on the, on the roof and while he could watch me. So I was always under his thumb. Always. Um, the day I finally decided to, to try again was, um, my daughter was, was for my, I just had, I had a new, another son, a newborn son. And, um, I don't remember what started it, what started the argument, but he said, and this was right after my dad had died. Now during the time my dad died, I was pregnant with my son and I named my son after him, of course, Okay. um, but like I said, I, I, had to, I had him, and then the he said something, and I remember this to this day because he said, your father would be so ashamed of you right now, the way you're acting. And I said, you know what? You're right. He'd be ashamed that I stayed with you. <laughs> I knew what was coming. I knew what was going to happen. But at that moment, I didn't care. And, of course, he, t- he just started beating my ass
0: at any point in time when he's being abusive was there ever the law called
1: oh yeah i'll get in that in a minute
0: yeah i'm i'm just wondering yeah. what steps you took to
1: yeah i'll get i'll get to that, yeah. that but um like i said like the neighbors they knew but nobody would help me um but he ended up my daughter got into it and my daughter she's a little girl little little bitty thing came over there and goes don't hurt my mommy and literally jumps on his back and he flung her off, and she hit the wall, and she fell down to the ground. I'm like, oh, my God, she's lifeless little body, just laying there. And at that moment, I realized my daughter is going to end up being abused. My son's going to end up being an abuser. At that moment, I said, I don't care what it takes. I got to get out of this. I-, I have no choice. Um, So I ended up, I uh, waited and he ended up leaving his phone behind again one night and this time I called my mama and i was so scared to tell her my address but she 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 was able i, I still live there. i don't know how she found it um but i remember i called her and um her and my sister they came and got me and i remember telling them come tomorrow i said he normally goes to the bars he's normally out drinking um, so if he if he's he'll be gone more likely, but come at like three or four o'clock in the morning, he's more likely not going to be home. And they did they came the next day, and that day that they came, of course somebody was monitoring because everybody was always out there drinking. Yeah, there's always somebody out there drinking, always something going on.
0: It's Mexican trailer parks.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so they um they called him. He was there, but but I remember um trying to sneak pack, and he caught me packing he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just uh getting all these, you know, over here so I can wash them. Because he I just bought me. So he did things like that. He beat me up, and the next day he'd buy me a washer. Or for like a year, we didn't have lights. and Y'all like, no, didn't have lights for no. a fucking year? No, and I'm telling you, like, I cooked on a propane thing. I heated my water on a propane thing. He could afford it. Now, get this—he could afford it, but he was never there. Like he pampered himself, or he went and used it at the bars on the women and stuff. He chose to like keep me in that position to where my basic needs weren't even being met. Like I, um, I remember being so scared, and I'm sitting here cleaning this trailer with my own t-shirt on my floor, you know, floorboards and and stuff. Going, I, I got to clean this place up. I got to clean this place up. I remember hiding the the one knife I had. I remember him coming after me on Christmas Eve. I remember I had both kids. They were both sick. So they were both still up in my lap, and I was holding them. And I remember. um,
0: You said sick. They were both sick. They were both
1: sick. Okay. And this is why I remember this, because it it was Christmas Eve, but they both had little colds, and they were both up. So I had them both laying on, on top of me. We were watching this little TV that I finally got. From my, my parents. Um, my parents actually gave it to me. Um, one of the few times I got to go back and see him was for a baby shower because they already knew I was pregnant, so he allowed me to go back for, for a little baby shower. And the only stuff I ever gotten f- for my kids was from that baby shower. Like when I said he never bought a single outfit, never bought a bottle, never bought them a birthday present, never did anything. I actually gave birth to both of them. On my own. Like when I had my daughter, I was like, um, my blood pressure is high. They're sending me into the hospital like early to have her. And he goes, Okay, just call me when when you when it's over. I'm like, Are you serious? I was there the entire time by myself. I couldn't even call my parents and tell my parents.
0: Why couldn't you call I don't I don't understand that part. Why couldn't you call your parents if you had the hospital phone right there?
1: I was scared. I was scared cuz like every time I did call him, he was monitoring the phone call. So at this point I was conditioned. How, how could he
0: monitor the phone call? Oh. Yeah, I had to put saying on that speaker you're so used. Yeah. Okay. I had
1: to put on speaker and he was like there watching me and if I said anything he didn't like, I'd get beat for it later.
0: So you just you were kind of trained then, that even though you wasn't oh, yeah. around that.
1: At that point,
0: that even you're sitting in their hospital by yourself, scared
1: to death to actually call them
0: because you're trained that way. You've been mm-hmm. you've been wired that way. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I ended up just giving birth by myself. Um, have no pictures. I don't even have baby pictures of them. Speaking of baby pictures, that's another trauma that I told you about that I haven't spoken about yet um, about my mom. Being on drugs and stuff. So, when I was about seven, it's about seven or eight. Um, she took me back to her room and she's like, "I don't have any baby pictures of you. Um, and I have I have a few of Rocky and Amanda, but I don't have any of you, and I don't have any of you naked. And so she made me lay down on the bed. I remember the way the bedspread look everything. And she took photos of me with a disposable
0: camera. What, what was the purpose of it? Just for her?
1: She says. She says. Now, I get this. So when I was writing this book, that memory came surfacing up. Because my whole life, like, I'm like, these memories of my dad and the abuse of my dad. And it's like a nightmare. I still have like, the same nightmare over and over again. And it feels like a haze, like a dream. And so does that same memory of my mom and what she did to me. So I finally was like, Mom, I need you to tell me the truth. And I brought this up to her before, and she denied it. But for some reason, this last year, she admitted to it. And her excuse was, well, you know that I was abused by your dad, and I literally didn't have any pictures, and I swear I didn't get them developed. Because I asked her what she did with them. I think that she sold them for drugs.
0: It makes sense. There's a there's a couple stories around here um, that, unfortunately, th- that we know to be true. Mm-hmm. That you've had, there was a car dealership here, and the little girl, I, she was under 13, if I recall. Mm-hmm. She was, uh, her mom and dad was making her have sex with the owner of the car lot mm-hmm. for the car payment.
1: I actually talked about that in a so you, When I going to talk yeah, about the four so forms of trafficking, and I talked yeah, about the familiar. Yeah, there's...
0: I mean, so there's a, yeah, you know, there's, there's evidence to back that shit up that people mm-hmm. do that. I mean, it's fucked up. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's real. Let's, uh, let's get back to where. I want to know when your, your mom and your sister came to get you. Okay. That part of the story to where you're leaving.
1: So they, they literally, um, they came and got me. Um, my sister walked in and she cried. She walked in and she cried. And when we were kids, we were close. Like, me, my brother, and my sister were really close as kids because we were all we had. Yeah. Like, I remember sitting there, we used to have conversations going, man, Um, you know, if one parent dies, we'd rather it be our mom. Like, I mean, like, what kids, like, fucking literally, since and does that?
0: You, you had a fucked up um, childhood, dude. I mean, I'm not trying to yeah. – the reason why – there's going to be people that listen to this and they're going, this is far-fetched. Like, the reason why I don't think it's far-fetched is – for one, I know the Mexican trailer parks you're talking about, not necessarily the ones in Atlanta, mm-hmm. but me and my buddy used to do peas. Like we used mm-hmm. to farm peas. And there was a Mexican trailer park that's here. And we used to go pick these two dudes up every morning when we during pea season. And we'd never been in their house, but it never looked like the lights were on. There was clearly no pipes hooked up for running water. Mm-hmm. Uh, There was no gas.
1: Mm-hmm. We didn't have a stove or fridge yeah, for I mean, years. So that's why, I,
0: <laughs> to, to people who's never seen that side of poverty, they don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's been to some of these places you're talking about, because the thing is, and I want listeners to, to understand this, is if you're fortunate enough to not know what she's talking about, it's a blessing. But for those who do, for whatever reason, when you come from another country, you're coming from a third world country. You don't have 90% of the luxury or the, whatever it is. You don't have 90% of what we have as Americans. So in Mexico, you don't have that stuff. So when you get here, they don't need it. If you don't ever know it existed, you don't need it. Is a luxury to you, or whatever? Am I saying that word right? Luxury. Luxury. I don't know why the sound is a luxury mm. to you. You don't know why some people need it. It's just an extra expense that you don't need. So some people's gonna be like, "She's full of shit about living conditions." I a hundred percent think you're telling the truth with it because I've seen it firsthand. If I hadn't seen it firsthand, I mm-hmm. don't think I'd believe it. Mm-hmm. But I know I know mm-hmm. it to be real, and I hope everybody looks. Drive past anybody that's listening, drive past the shittiest community in your in your county, in your city, or whatever, and you'll see there's not power poles hooked up to some of these places. You know, so it, it makes sense, and it would make sense why somebody like him would keep you away from everything else. It's them mm-hmm. trying to. I use this word a lot. That's them trying to normalize you to that situation. Mm-hmm. So when they come to pick you up and she's crying.
1: She literally she walked yeah. in the kitchen, she goes, All there's gonna eat is a is a one bag of rice and beans. And um she just seemed like just how how the trailer looked. And she literally described. She's like, This is how you lived. It's like, Yeah. For years. And um like she, yeah, she got me out. Um, took me back to my mom's. He actually came over looking for me with a like a police flashlight, just busting on the door, Starts looking under the bed. Starts looking everywhere for me. Thankfully, I was at my sister's at that point. Um, but he, he would, um, he would stalk me. He'd run me off the roads, chase me. Um, one point when i I had left him briefly. Before I had actually gotten, away. Because I said I tried to escape a few times. It wasn't. Yeah. That was the final time that I got in the way. But it wasn't the first time that I had tried to escape. The first time I had, I had escaped was actually um, through another man. Because I'm like, this is the only way I'm getting out of here. Yeah. I mean, he thinks I'm a horror. I'm going to go. Like, this guy's talking to me. Saying that he'll help me. One of the only ones that speaks English. Semi-English.
0: Another <laughs> Spanish fellow.
1: Yeah. So, of course, he just used me. He just yeah. used me. But um, we're actually in the hotel, right? Cops come busting on the door saying that he had um, called and said that I went missing with the kids. So he used the police to trap me down. Did you have the kids with you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so, the uh, thankfully, I had, a, I had there was like 20, 30 cops come busting in that door. Um, one sat me down. I told them what was going And they said, be safe and left right? Um, Because I had rights to the kid. They're like, they they knew what was going on. They could tell. Um, He actually came back with one of his girlfriends, because like I said, he had girlfriends and wife and all that the whole time. She saved my life. Um, He had come back, and both of them have told me this. He came back with a gun to shoot me and kill me, and she stopped him in the parking lot. Um, another time after that, because I had bounced from, from place to place to try to make sure he couldn't find me, right? He actually would call the hotels, and if you check in with your ID, like, they know, right? So I didn't know this, and after I learned this, what he did was doing, I got one of my aunts to check me into a hotel, so he couldn't figure out where I was. He had figured out where I was, and he sent flowers, I'm like, this man has never bought me anything. And this is the first time I've ever received flowers. So, like, my husband now, one time he tried to give me flowers, and I started crying. He's like, what's wrong? I'm trying to be sweet and trying to be nice. And I'm like, you don't understand the trigger
0: yeah, to this. I, I can, it was
1: more of, I found you. Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to mm-hmm. Well, hotels, I'm just going to take a guess here, and I'm not trying to be a dick when I say this. I'm guessing the hotels you were staying at wasn't at five star hotels.
1: Hell no. okay. You're talking about in Atlanta where yeah, I that's... was lucky to get a hold of. Okay, um, and this was after I had um I had gotten money from the bank. See, because he was illegal. Yeah, he had put everything in my name. But he was. Su- Let me tell you, when I say he was smart, he taught himself to speak English. Better English than me in like yeah. three months of being here. He has a degree that's equal to like Harvard over there. Okay, he had gotten sent over here because of trouble he had with trying to kill another girl for getting pregnant. Okay, and his parents um, pretty much built that town. It was a small town. They pretty much built it. So they were able to pay the people to, to get him over here. And then he got when he got over here, he got married for, for the paperwork. And
0: you wonder why, and I'm not necessarily one of these, you wonder why people... We're so passionate about the build the wall stuff mm-hmm. to keep certain people out because I mean mm-hmm. what was sad about it and I'm not trying to make a joke about your experience is there's a lot of predators that come from over there to over here because they're trying to escape mm-hmm. trouble from over there they and might not why. be dr- they might <laughs> not be drug traffickers they mm-hmm. might not be people that even have arrest warrants or whatever over there but there, there's a reason why there's a lot of people that are for keeping Keeping our south border closed. And for a good portion of it, there's a lot more bad that comes from over there than good. I wasn't trying to make light of it by any means. I don't I Uh want you I want you to know that it's just it's unfair to you. It's unfair to the women that are dealing with. He should have been locked up over there, but
1: they they were able to pay because of the corruption and get him out and get him sent over here. He never should have gotten out. If they would have done what they what for gotten him for an attempted murder over there like like he was charged with, then none of that would have happened. Yeah, none of it would have happened. Um, where were we?
0: <laughs> I don't know. You're uh you're right there to where you got the his other girlfriend saved your life. Um, yeah, so, I, I want to know though, since because I don't want us to go back in story. I want us to go forward in it. Um,
1: yeah. So I. I forget. Hey, go you're back. good. You're good. <laughs> hey, darling, it,
0: it's not your job to keep up with it. It's it's mine. It's this is your story, but I'm the one that's supposed to direct it. You know it's fine. Um, so you're you're where you're with your you're at your sister's house, and he's looking for you at your mom's. Let's go forward from that. What mm-hmm. happened after that?
1: It was just like the ongoing stalking and and the the. You're gonna come back, or um, I'm guessing you never went back though. No, not okay, Once she finally not at this got point. out of there. Um, he was. It was like you're gonna come back, or or you're gonna die. If I can't have you, nobody can. At this point, yeah. And he never said he loved me either. Like it was never "I love you." It was more of. Well, you got pregnant when we were together and you had kids and so he felt
0: obligated to kind of keep you at arm's reach, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so take care it was of you more of like of you're,
1: you're mine now yeah. at this point. Um not that I love you, but you're mine.
0: Okay. So after this, was that the last time that you dealt with trafficking or being abused by him?
1: No. No. Okay, so oh.
0: so what's after that? Because we're like in 2011 now, I guess. Yeah. When you got away, what yeah. what was the next thing?
1: Um, the next thing was I was at my mom's, and our um dog had gotten hit um, by a car and was laying out in the road. And so I took took the dog, and I'm like, I'll I'll go find a vet. It was it was a night, so I'm like, yeah. I, I gotta find a vet that's open. It was a weekend. Um, so I rushed down to a restaurant that I used to work at beforehand I was like, I need help. I need help. Um, I'm bad with directions. I'm the typical woman can't get down the road. Right. I could live there my whole life and not tell you how to get there. Uh, so I went in asking for help and the one person I didn't know, uh, ended up taking me to the vet because I was so hysterical and then they were like, I was like, can you, can you bill me? Can you just bill me? They're like, no, uh, she's got brain damage and she needs to be put down now. She's not, she's not going to live. And if you can't pay, she's just going to suffer. I'm like, are you serious? You can't bill me. You're going to let the dog suffer.
0: I haven't heard of that before. I, f- I figured and they don't. just put her down for you.
1: No, no. They wanted the payment up front. So he ended up paying like the, the hundred and something dollars to have her put down so that she wouldn't suffer. And he carried her back home for me. Um, put her put her back in our, my truck and took her out and everything. Uh, I ended up making him a cake to thank him for it. And then two months later, we're married. Oh, shit. <laughs> but we've been married for 10, 10 years, a little over 10 years. Um, he went through a lot of trauma, too, as a child. Um, his dad committed suicide. His mom was bipolar, would always leave uh, the family. Um, he actually married a woman from Columbia before me who cheated on him, used him to get over here and all that stuff. So he went through a lot, too. So I think we were both, like, at this point in our lives, just going, still looking for somebody to love me. And thankfully, I guess I found somebody more like me than than not uh, this yeah. time. I was lucky that time to actually find somebody that d- didn't want to, to use me. I yeah. uh, just wanted the same thing, to be loved um so he he's stuck with me throughout the this year.
0: is a weird question i'm about to ask you but i know that <laughs> no. everybody's gonna want to know uh as far as uh culture goes white guy mexican guy what is he
1: he's white he actually grew up around the corner from me okay. our dads knew each other okay um
2: okay.
1: and it's funny because he talks about my country and it's all that he's like okay. he's like he's the so country um, he actually got our son, our autistic son, um, cause he makes these jokes about me being country. And so when my autistic son gets really, really mad and starts get, having a fit and stuff, he'll be like, you're such a redneck. You're just a, you're just a hillbilly.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I can't help but laugh when he does that. And I'm yeah. like, he doesn't understand that, what that means, but it's because my son. So uh,
0: I'm, I'm guessing if y'all been together jokes. 10 years, y'all's relationship pretty good.
1: Uh yeah, I mean he's he's my best friend. Like there's still, like I had to have the lights off when it comes to that. Like um, I still like tighten up. I'm, like don't well, look you at me. I don't I don't um, think I don't think
0: there's anything he, wrong with that. Yeah,
1: he knows. Like I don't like being touched. I don't like being held. Um, on the other hand, he's my best friend, and I can tell him everything. Yeah. Um, but he knows that I have these these issues. And yeah, it does come up in the in the because he's the type that's like, love me, touch me, hug me, um I, even I have hate mommy issues. I, ha- <laughs> um, I hate that shit. But uh me, I'm like I'm like, I can't. I'm like, I'm I'm sorry. Like
0: At least he understands it. He does. That's good. He doesn't that, like it but he that, understands well, it. Well that's <laughs> you know, I mean that's special of him though. You know, I mean that's that's a hard it would be hard for anybody to not be able to, because some of us do incorporate infe- uh, affection with love, but affection, when someone has touched you in your life, it's never just been about love. So the fact that that's kind of got took away from you, that's that's horrible mm-hmm. for you. But I'm glad he understands that, and he he still he still loves you, and it's your best friend. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's hard. It's I I don't your story. Is, is is very unique in the way first off you've dealt with more trauma in a day of your life than, than most of us dealt with our entire mm-hmm. lives you're still standing here dude you're still a badass like you might not know it or you might not see yourself that way but like you're tougher than fucking nails there's not many people that I've ever met that could have dealt with the things that you you, you got to understand down here uh, a basic white girl break a nail, and she thinks the fucking world's over. She thinks her life is horrible, that she had trauma, or she had someone in her life who didn't love her. And she's like, oh, it's trauma. He cheated on me. You have dealt with real trauma. And the fact that you have turned it into a book, you've turned it into an organization, you've turned it into a nonprofit that is trying to help people I don't even know if you realize how special you are. Like you are. There's, there's. I, I'm telling you, I'm a tough son of a bitch, and I couldn't have. I wouldn't be in your shoes. I wouldn't. I, I just don't know if you realize. Like, cause there's a. I want to see like you shine, dude. I want to see you realize. Uh, for a lot of this story that you've told, like you, you say it with tears in your eyes, and you mm-hmm. ought to. But understand, you're still here and you're telling your story and you're not ashamed of it anymore.
1: Yeah. It'd take me a long time to not be ashamed and to tell all of it. Um, That's
0: the most special part of you. Yeah. You ought to shine. You ought to, like, I tell my story, my battle with suicide a lot, right? And people look at me like I am fucking crazy when I say it now because I almost do it with a smile on my face because it's the best and worst thing that's ever happened to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like I feel like you are right on the edge of being just somebody that when they hear your story, if you say it a certain way with a certain power to mm-hmm. you, oh goddamn, you can change people's lives. You can turn your pain into a real fucking purpose.
1: I had somebody ask me one time. They they literally they asked me how many times have you been raped? And I sit there and ponder the question. I'm sitting there going, I'm trying to count. Yeah. I'm like, I can't even fucking count. I don't even know. Um, Because it wasn't just the abuse as a child. It wasn't just the trafficking. And like I said, and I don't even remember the time I was knocked out, that I was drugged. Like, I don't know. But you're talking about my ex, too. Like, I remember he used to come in after drinking out at those clubs and stuff. And... I remember being woke up, being pulled, yanked by my hair, going, "What the hell!" Like I was so shocked at the moment, yeah. and clinging on to the door frames. And I remember having like the bruises on my legs where he opened my legs. And most people go, "Oh, that's not right because you were you were together, like you were, no, you, were right. a you like your boyfriend." I'm like, "No, you think I wanted that?" No. Gee, and I'm like,
0: well. The- <laughs> No, the, I guess that is the point I was trying to make is I just want you to realize that out of all of this what a badass you are. I mean that, that shit sucks. I don't think there's anybody's ever going to hear you talk. That's not like she had it fucking worse than anybody.
1: I always said I lived many lifetimes. That's yeah. the way I describe. Like, cause I always like, why me? Why so many things? And like I said, it it's it's like the other abusers could sense that I've been abused before. It's like they smell it. Like. Easy target.
0: It, it's vulnerability.
1: Yeah, and I swear, I swear, yeah, I swear, they can sense it coming off of me. And yeah. when I finally said no more, that's when it stopped. Yeah. When I finally stood up for myself, and there was another time later on, there was something else that helped. Like after
0: you admit the guy that, that you're when with my now, my
1: husband, yeah, it was with another guy, that, and I'll get into that yeah, too. I'll, I'll <laughs> um, t-
0: go, go ahead and tell me about that.
1: Okay. Well, I had a crazy stalker. Okay. Um, we actually had to move recently. This is a couple years ago, so this was two or three years ago. Um, he just came to the house and like, hey, I cut grass, I do this. I'm like, my husband's always busy, always working. So I'm like, sure, why not? Why not? We need somebody to to do the lawn and stuff. Yeah. One day, he knocks on my door, and I come out, and he's like, I just have to make a confession. He's like, I'm in love with you. And I jump over your fence and I watch you and I masturbate while watching you.
0: Oh, God damn.
1: And I'm sitting there going, my jaw just drops. And I'm sitting yeah, there, no I'm, I'm trying to pick up my phone going, can I record it? Like, and I messed up and I didn't record it because I was like so like shaken and taken back. And he was talking, just like going really crazy, right? Talking about how he was just wanting me to leave, my husband. I'm like, I don't even know your name this dude's crazy, right? I have some neighbors because I'm like, he goes around doing the neighbor, like, all these lawns. So I find his name. I looked this dude up and he has a rap sheet. It's supposed to serve 54 years but got out in five. His first, very first defense on that rap sheet, he raped and tortured a woman. Um, And like I'm saying, like, when we're talking about, like, pedophiles and yeah. People, Rapists that that continue to do this in their heads. They think it's normal, like you were saying, it's normal to them. So, this was normal to him to find a girl that he had nothing in common with, didn't know from Adam. Go, I'm in love with her. I'm going to. And he was telling me, he said, I'm trying to stop myself from raping you.
0: He said that to you? He
1: said that to me. So, of course, I go straight to the police. Um, and it turned out he actually—they um, caught him on video camera. Get this: so he followed me to the library one day, and they caught him on video camera masturbating behind some books. God damn! Um, they have his handprints from where on my windows, from where he had cut my. Because uh, he had went over the house one day, and I'm like, I just got back from the hospital. I'm really sick. I'm really drowsy. Um, because I get I get bladder infections from the abuse from as a child, um I've always had bladder infections since since then. Yeah, and I had to have surgery and all that stuff because my um, urethra tube got enlarged, and that normally happens with that type of trauma. Oh fuck. So I've had I had to have surgery on my tubes, uh, my urethra tube down there, and like I said, I get bladder infections since then. So I had a really bad bladder infection. had ended up in the hospital. Um, it was it had uh, moved to my kidneys. So I, I came home. I was really just out of it, and he had came over, and this is before I knew he was talking to me. And he's like, hey, um, I'm going to do your own. I'm like, fine, just don't make a lot of noise because I'm sick. I'm going to go lay down. This is
0: after he told you? No, this is like I said, this is before.
1: And um, I woke up. My screens are cut on my windows, and one of my windows is cracked. And, of course, I have a big dog, and I have a little dog. I have a little chihuahua, and she's mean as shit. And most people are afraid of the big one. But it's a little one you got to be afraid of. That's usually how it works. Uh, the big one, though, he, I don't say he's racist, but <laughs> he kind of is. Is that um, guy? He was abused before I got a hold of him, and the person I got a hold of him from um, liked to wear hoods and stuff. So when he sees somebody with a hood or he sees, um, and I think it's a smell, um, and it triggers him because there are certain things that trigger me. So he's, if he smells them and it triggers him, um, so he'll, he'll go into attack mode. And so, of course, when this guy's trying to get in my house, he's going to defend me. But I'm so knocked out from the pain medicine that they give me that I don't even know what the hell's going on. Yeah. Um, handed up a week later. So after they even got the handprints and everything, they even said it, they're his handprints on the window and the screen's being cut um, to try to find one that was unlocked. But thankfully, my dog saved me. From him getting in,
2: what? and
1: um, so he actually came back a week later and poisoned my dog. Um, but my dog lived. But now he has like his nails fall out, his teeth fall out. He has seizures. Um, and he's old. He's old now. But he'll follow me every room I go in. He follows me. He's my buddy. Um, God
0: damn.
1: But yeah, we ended up, and the police didn't do anything. Like they came down. We did a we did a mug sheet or whatever. Um, I have a buddy that I work with. In the police department, he's a retired lieutenant of the criminal division. And you're talking about a small town. It's, yeah. it's not that that big. So I was like, this is happening. And he found out, he heard about it, what was going on. And he, he got pissed. He got pissed. He, he let them, he chewed out the, the cops. Because he's like, if April says this happened, it's happening. They thought that I was in a relationship with him. And I just didn't want my husband to find out.
0: Ah, uh, okay. That's so why they weren't doing yeah, anything. It, it, it makes sense. It's hearsay. Yeah.
1: Uh, a lot they of people. Doing
0: a lot of people. A lot of fucking people. You got to understand. I I talk about this so fucking much, and it is a shame. It is a crying shame. But there is so many people, unfortunately, that cry wolf when it comes to these things. That when somebody's in mm-hmm. danger, like you are,
2: mm-hmm.
0: they've been jaded. Like, mm-hmm. the police has been jaded to a point to where this is just hearsay. It's his word against hers. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. I understand why police get a bad rap when it comes to these things. Because, honestly, without evidence of mm-hmm. abuse or anything, and it really sucks that it has to get that far. They don't know who to believe.
1: Well, Like I was saying, like um, he was actually jumping over the fence and, and actually took a knife out on my kids. To Try to get into the house again. Was, was there after he of told me
0: like a video? I call, or no, no, they
1: told me to get ring camera and art yeah. to move. Uh, um, at that point, we were just like, we broke our lease and we moved. But uh, a few weeks after that, they caught him again. And like I said, I even called yeah. his parole officer, and his parole officer was like, You're in danger. And she even tried to get him locked back up because of overcrowding. He got back out, yeah. And, uh, so he ended up, another lady had came forward and said, this guy is going around the neighborhood and it was more that came forward after her that he was going around the neighborhood, asking to do yard work. And if they said no, he would write them a threatening letter that he was going to come back and, and rape them and left it on the doorsteps.
0: Dude, you're lucky. I know you don't think that your life is lucky, but you should be dead.
1: Oh, so many times I've, I've been, um, when I was in Atlanta and I swear my ex put a hit out on me. Okay. So this is right after I found out I was pregnant, right? We're in Atlanta. We're on Cleveland Avenue. We had a, we had a Pakistan friend that, that lived there and he was like one of the only persons I was allowed to see. But again, he monitored me. He would take me over there and occasionally we would be allowed to eat or take a hot shower. And, um, so, but whenever we went over there, he would call, right? He'd call beforehand. This one time, he doesn't call beforehand. We pull up into the apartment complex. We're sitting there. And I'm like, this is a little weird. Something's off. You know, like, you know, like you feel it, right? And before we got there, he had stopped and he took some money out and he took like $300 and he put it in, uh, left $300 in his wallet, but took the rest out and put it in his boot and threw it in the back of the truck. I'm like, he's never done this. This is weird. And we never sat there, right? So we we're like, we're sitting there for about 20 minutes. An SUV pulls up, comes out, three big, huge black guys come out, running out, busting out the door. One had an AK forty seven, the other two had had little pistols. They come out there, they pull us out of our truck and people are just walking by. This is Lena, people just walking by like nothing's going on it shocks me um and i remember this day because that this might is the be day. the most
0: believable part of your story
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is the day that that um there was that old lady that got shot and killed by the cops that same day in atlanta so like no, when we called the police then it happened nobody showed up the police yeah. never even showed up because they were dealing with that that crap that went down that day i don't know if you remember that i don't it was years it was years ago you're talking about uh, 2006, end of 2006. Yeah, I don't remember
0: that, that far back. Um, yeah, but it was this,
1: this sweet old lady ended up they something would buy a search warrant and they they ended up killing her, damn shooting her. Um, so so, so
0: what happened? Did they did they do anything towards job? So
1: they ended up like they're over there they're filling me they they you know get his money, um and I'm sitting there begging like they're sitting there and going let's take this one with us I'm like holy shit. Uh, I'm like going, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. Please don't hurt me. I'm pregnant. And um, they were looking at each other and then they look at my ex and he has this look on him like, like, you know, like do it, do it, do it. And um, the older one that had the dreadlocks, one with the AK-47, took the other guy, took another pistol from one of the, the younger ones, pointed it at my ex, shot it. It didn't go off so he pistol whipped him and they took off and it took me a while to realize that I think it was a setup maybe um to this day I think that he was trying to get rid of me and when I kept saying I'm pregnant then they were like Mingo heart those girls she's pregnant and well, I they I, went, tell you,
0: I have to like right, because your story to somebody who does not know the bad side of life, your is completely unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> this is fucked up. The reason why I can sit here and believe what you just said is because when I was younger, I had to go to jail for like uh, 60 days to a rehab detention center. Mm-hmm. Got in trouble. Do you know that there are two things that hardened gang members will not fuck with? Hardened, I'm talking about the meanest of the meanest. Mm-hmm. The fucking... Cold bloodedest motherfuckers on this planet that will kill you for a hundred bucks. They don't fuck with kids mm-hmm. and they don't fuck with pregnant people. Mm-hmm. And I've heard stories before to where if somebody wanted them to fuck somebody up, a woman, they'd fuck them up. But if they thought they were pregnant, they wouldn't touch them.
1: I started this day because I like. I, I mean, remember, I, that's the only yeah. that's the only
0: way it's believable to me yeah. is because the fact that I've heard Other shit things. like that. Yeah. Um, let, let's get to the back to after the psycho here with the grass cutting and all that shit happened. You started okay. helping. What what is it? The local law enforcement, FBI. What was Jen telling me about? Yeah.
1: Oh, wait. We got to talk about something else before. <laughs> well, well tell,
0: tell me that. We got about 25 minutes left in a two-hour show.
1: Okay. Uh, so, quickly, real fast. Um, after I left him, I still dealt with him for years. Oh, really? Yes. Um, he found out that I was married, found out that I was pregnant, and goes, boop, I'm going to take your ass to court. After, like, a year of no show.
0: The the first guy? Yeah. The Mexican my ex, guy. Yeah, my ex. Okay.
1: So, we go to court, right? He suddenly wants custody of the kids. Uh, suddenly, I'm a drug addict. I'm horrible and this and that. And I'm like, I just started going to college and, you know, all this. And I was going for criminal justice is my first degree. I go up there and I tell the, I tell the judge my story. I had the judge in tears. And the judge just looks at him and goes, if you weren't in Atlanta, if you lived down here, she'd have her restraining order. Because yeah. I tried in Atlanta. I tried to get one a few times and could never get one. When um, y'all were
0: living together?
1: When I, le- when, when I left I left, right him. after you left. Right after I left. Okay. Um, with all, like I said, with all the stocking. I tried to get a resume order. Couldn't get one. Um, so we ended up, he ended up um, sending a guardian ad litem for the kids. And this guardian ad litem didn't even, like, talk to me at all. My sister wrote a letter well, about heard, the condition. I've heard that before. In, yeah.
0: What is that, a guardian ad litem?
1: For the children. It's supposed to be a lawyer for the children. Um, to make sure that they're being heard, that their rights are, oh, when it, okay. when it comes to parents. I, I know where yeah. I've heard that now. Okay, um, I know where it is. Yeah. Um, so she never even talked to me or anything like that. So when she wrote in her report that we were both unfit because she just went by with what he's, he was saying about me and like, you didn't even talk to my parent, uh, my mom, my sister um did you even read the letter you never even did an interview with me you could have you could have talked to my parents uh, I mean my my school teachers you could have talked to like so many people that that I'm not on drugs that I'm not a whore that I'm not out there because he he just had like people saying that I was sleeping around and that I was doing drugs with everybody in the trailer park I'm like you want to test me you know like seriously like um so we ended up um Going back in front of the judge, and I told the judge straight up, I was like, I don't think she did her job. So he's like, Well, let's go sit down in the room with your with his lawyer, his new lawyer, by the way, because I got his first lawyer uh, kicked out, which was fun. That was the funnest thing. <laughs> like it was scary, but when I mean fun, like it was um, in, like like satisfying, so satisfying. Yeah, exactly. Um, because he was my lawyer first for a traffic violation, and I was like, This is a conflict of interest. He was my lawyer first, <laughs> and sure enough. I don't know
0: how any of that shit works.
1: <laughs> but I had looked at it, oh, man. And so his second lawyer um, looked at me and goes, I'm so sorry. He never told us any of this because when, when I had to be my own lawyer, right, and I got him up there on own stand, and said, isn't it true you're married? Isn't it true that you beat me? Isn't it true you did all this? He didn't deny it. He just, he just sat there.
0: Well, right, let me ask you, was he, is he a legal citizen?
1: I mean, he's married, um, but he n- doesn't have his. Well, final married?
0: Is his wife from here? Yes. Uh, he's legal then.
1: I mean, he he doesn't have. Well, the, the reason why final. the reason
0: why I ask is you cannot make sure I'm right on this fact checker because you cannot have an illegal citizen on the stand. Like you cannot, you cannot. So he would have to be. Hey, I look, know he
1: had. Um, he's
0: got to have citizenship if he's married to uh, somebody who's born. He did.
1: It got. I think it got taken away at some point. He, he has the, like a temporary work visa, green stuff. card
0: or whatever it is. Let's make sure I'm right there. I don't want to spit dumb shit out there. I get a lot of shit now mm-hmm. from people fact checking stuff I say. Mm-hmm. So from now on, we're cutting that shit off. Uh, I'm pretty sure that you can't. Yeah, well, I, I I go. A lot of my stuff is based off of. Like I said, documentaries and yeah, shit. Yeah. I don't fucking know what I'm talking. If you're listening to me and you want the straight facts, you're probably on the wrong fucking show. Um, but no, so um,
1: so we ended up going back, yeah. and his lawyers like, "I'm sorry, I didn't know that, that this was going to come out. Um, I would never. Uh, you never
0: lost custody, of kids. No, right? no.
1: What happened was we um after the lawyer like we had to sit down and go through um litigation. Yeah. Exactly. So, so what happened was um, he was supposed to get supervised visitations, and it worked where he was supposed to get it for like two years. And then, if he did four, so, so many hour visits, um, I think it started off four, four hour, no, four 30 minute visits, four hour visits, and so on and so on, to where he actually had, the, had them for the whole day, but they had to be supervised. Yeah. And then he actually had to move and um, was part of the condition as well. He cut his very first visit, and this is after not seeing them for years, cut it in half himself. Um, He would only see them occasionally, and that was only if I was the one that was doing the... um, So he's trying to
0: get back to where he's spending time with you.
1: Yes. And when I finally said, I'm not sitting across from my abuser anymore... And to. I said, um, the judge said that we could split the cost and I don't care how much it costs me that I will, I will pay it. And he, and I knew he couldn't pay because yeah. he wasn't even paying the child support. He wasn't even paying 300 and something dollars for two kids a month. He may be giving me a little bit here and there to keep his rights. Right. Cause he knew what he was doing. And, um, after I said, I wasn't going to sit across from him.
0: You're the worst fact checker ever. It doesn't say. <laughs> well he, he wrong, was up there. Been wrong. I don't
1: I don't know. He was up there. Um but he he yeah, he he just suddenly stopped. Um he he was supposed to be able to call him every night and talk to him. Of course he never did. He never did. Um he called me drunk one time and was like, Why didn't you call um call me for Father's Day? I said, like, The kids don't even know you're their father. Like they call my husband. Like I like my husband is like My the way my dad my daddy was to me is the way he is to them. They tell they want him to adopt him. They want his last name. They they're like we want nothing to do with him. We don't even know who he is. Don't blame him. My daughter has PTSD because she remembers shit. Um, and I'm like that's why I was trying to break that cycle of that abuse. Um, for them, and um.
0: Well, you broke it. I mean, the the thing is, it's it's generational shit. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna be. You won't know a difference in your kids for another ten years. Mm-hmm. I mean, how old your youngest? I mean, how old your oldest? Fourteen. Yeah, you won't you won't know until they're 24. Yeah. twenty four. Yeah, maybe um, even thirty. You you won't know if you broke that cycle yet, but I would imagine you have. I mean, think about no, it. This it's something that I, I I love talking on because people think that when you start making a difference and you don't see it right away, mm-hmm. that it's not making a difference, right? Well, think about this your childhood compared to your children's childhood. Okay. Big difference, right? Oh, yeah. Huge difference. All right. Now think about your grandkids' childhood.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You're setting the new standard of normal mm-hmm. for your family. So, what was fucked up to you has been very small time fucked up to your kids now. Mm hmm. Grandkids aren't on no fucked
1: um, up. My kids are spoiled. Like, my daughter, yeah. she's like, she's Grandkids 14. Grandkids aren't gonna no fucked up. Um, like I said, she's 14, but she's still, um, you know how most teenagers are, right? Yeah. Especially girls. But every night, she has to come in and get her hug and her kiss goodnight. That's sweet. Um, she, she's like, I can't sleep without, because she knows that, and every morning, they get up, I love you, have a good day at school, da-da-da. And every night, I love you, Good night. you know. I never got that. I never got that. And it's so cool to see that my daughter, who's still a teenager, still is like, I got to have my that's hug. That's cool. That's good. Like, um, you can see that difference. Like I'm saying, you can see that, that she knows she's loved.
0: Um, on the last little part of this, because uh, I want to give people a reason to go buy your book so we can't tell them everything that's in the book. But on the last little part of this, I want you to tell folks what you're doing now as far as helping some organizations mm-hmm. and what you're doing to make a difference and then we're going to plug your book a couple more times so they can go read every bit of you.
1: Okay. Um, so I started Victoria's Lighthouse in 2017. And people ask me all the time, they're like, why do you call it Victoria's? Why do you not call it April's Lighthouse? Yeah. And, you know, the lighthouse is supposed to be the beacon of hope, you know, like. Um, but I'm like, it's not about me. It's about that girl that I didn't know her name that, that was still trapped that I left behind.
0: That's cool. I
1: named her Victoria. I like that. So that she can be victorious over her captors when that's what we call in Victorias and Victors. I'm like, it's not about me. It's about those that are still trapped. It's about those that, that got left behind. And that's where the whole hashtag they have a name thing kind of started from. Because only like, it's not about me. I'm out. I'm good. It's about those that's still there.
0: That right there is how I will I I'll make a recommendation to you. I mean you just hit that's a great part of the show. Start off with that from now. When you tell people your organization, always drop that first. Mm-hmm. That is that's beautiful. That is poetic as fuck. And I, I love it. Um besides for just your organization now, uh haven't you worked with and I might be wrong here, so don't if I'm putting words yeah. in your mouth, don't <laughs> run with it. But I was thinking Jen told me that you had worked with, like, some law enforcement agencies Mm -hmm. or advised, like, uh, FBI or something. I can't remember exactly what it is.
1: Yeah, so... um, To
0: help find some kids and help find some people that are being sex trafficked.
1: Yeah, so how that kind of got started was the first thing I did was I did a candlelight vigil. And um, that's how I met. I reached out to the police department. That's how I met the lieutenant at the time of the criminal division. And funny story, like, when I was doing that... And we were going around, and I was handing out flyers trying to get people to come, and I seen a bunch of cops, and I go up to them, and I'm like, here's a flyer, come to, you know, you, you know, Lieutenant Lance Watson here, he's going to be speaker. And they all start laughing. I'm like, why are they laughing? And then here comes Lance, he comes up and goes, I'm Lance, because <laughs> I hadn't met him yet, so I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, okay. I didn't know, but um, we've been, been really good friends since. Um, he's practically family. What did y'all do? Um, Just like
0: meet online or something? If you haven't actually spoke to we were We were
1: speaking on the phone and through emails and stuff um, at that point. So he came, he spoke, and I had found some other organizations and um, an FBI agent that worked in Macon. There is actually a sex trafficking division in Macon that most people don't know exists. I did
0: not know there was Um, one.
1: Yeah, there is. And they'll come out and speak. If you call and ask for, for an agent to come out, there's an agent that's in charge of that that comes out and does trainings for anybody that wants them. Um, so I call when you
0: say trainings, this telling you what to look for yep. mm-hmm. and how to, and how to help and everything, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Exactly. We're going to have to do that. Um, that's, I do it. <laughs> I train you. <laughs> well, hey, you can. I train you. That's what I do. Um, yeah. So, uh, we started with that and we started learning more from her. Um, I started to get phone calls. I've had people all the way from Africa. Um, I've had a military wife call me and say my daughter's being trafficked in middle Georgia and we're in Germany now we had to take our flight because my husband and she's trapped over there um so I went immediately to the mayor. I was like look um I need you to make a plea on media um I said I don't want it to be me I hate public speaking oh my god like <laughs> got my teachers to be like what are you talking about she's a public speaker because <laughs> I hate it um but there's a reason why I do it um so I was like you know what this this one doesn't need to be me I said this one needs to come from you, um, come from that I guess authoritative. Um, it needs to be somebody uh, that that um, she sees like the community is looking for her. That it just it just needed it didn't need to be me. And a lot of times I'll I'll do that. I'll have other people say that yeah. When it comes to my story, like you're saying, it needs to be me. But with some other things, it needs to be other people. And I don't like to. To I guess take glory for things that I feel like aren't aren't mine to take. Yeah, I'm not like a, doing it for an attention or trying. to. I don't think you're doing it for like, attention. So at all. um, so yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. So I got him him to to go on there and do that. Um, they ended they did find her, um, she she got she got saved. Um, but it was the boyfriending type stuff. Okay. Um, that was happening with her. Uh, so yeah, I've had I've had people reach out to me, and I worked at a domestic violence shelter. Um, that's actually how I kind of got more into the sex trafficking and found out that I was sex trafficked myself was I was reaching out to other organizations, trying to find out how I could volunteer. And I was telling one of these ladies, um, my story and I was telling her how I was abused by my ex and everything. And then I told her how I met him and she's like, honey, honey, stop right there. You've been trafficked. I'm yeah. like, no.
0: I don't think you realize what you've been through. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, like guys, this. honest truth, I don't think that you. I, I I honestly, when you when I hear you talk about it, you talk about it with one or two things. You're either oblivious to the actual situation, or you're just so fucking strong. Like, cause I I don't I don't know a person mm-hmm. that could have been what you've been through, then still be. A functioning adult. I don't. I don't know how you function.
1: Some days I don't know either. <laughs> like, like, I think I think I you're doing. Um, I
0: think you're doing an amazing fucking job. It's it's jaw dropping to hear.
1: I have to sit there and go. Um, I went through it for a reason. Yeah, you did. And for me, it's to help other people. Um, I hate it when though when people say that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And I'm like yeah, but at the same time, you never been on my end. You never been where you've been been to the breaking point where you tried to commit suicide. You never been to the point where yeah, but it you, feels like it's so much. I'm like, how about instead of of saying that, how about you actually get up and do something? How about you actually make it easier for me? How about you say, how can I help you today, April? Well, how can I?
0: well, here, here's the here's the problem with that. And I'm not, I'm not, this is just my mindset. We uh-huh. two different mindsets on it. You don't learn a lesson when you're supposed to learn a lesson. You learn a lesson when God in the universe wants you to learn that lesson. People only receive their blessing at a breaking point. You have to get to right to the edge of destruction. And I know this is so fucked up to most people, mm-hmm. but I want you to just think about it from a whole different point of view if you wouldn't have got to that breaking point Mm -hmm. and you still kept going, you wouldn't have the blessings you have in your life. Now you had to get to that breaking point. You had to get to the end of that tunnel where it's completely dark to where you didn't think the light was coming, but you had to take that next step forward. That's walking by blind faith. It's not knowing what's around the corner, but you're dealing with chaos at the time where you're going to keep walking through the chaos. People get rewarded that keep going through the chaos, to keep going through the evil. Because right around that corner, you can't see your blessing yet. Mm -hmm. It's the people that bend but don't break that get their blessing. You never broke. You might have Mm -hmm. thanked that you broke. Mm -hmm. Now, you did break your chains. I mean, that's the name of the (laughs) book.
1: I did talk about how I did get baptized in the end. But I'm talking about... I think you're not quite understanding what I'm saying. You might um, I might have
0: understood it backwards. What I thought because yeah. I thought you were saying no. I'm that, talking
1: about people. Yeah, that are are like, oh my goodness, you know, like um, I, I don't know how they to think describe they have it. more. Okay, I don't know what? how to describe it. Do you, um, are you
0: saying that there's people that act like they have more on their plate than they actually have?
1: It's sort of, yeah. Okay. And then when they're like, "Oh, you know, like God didn't give me more than you can handle," but they're over there, like at the same in the same breath. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, how about you just walk in my shoes for a minute?
0: Oh no, yeah, like, I get it now. Like, no, how, I, I up. I like, 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 up. like, for instance, it.
1: with my son, they say it to me all the time with I my autistic son. And I'm like, well, how about you come over here and you wipe his ass because he doesn't know how? How about you come over here and get well, him to take his bath? Is, how about you do my daily struggles? What
0: you're saying is there are and people they tell that bitch enough. about how bad their life is, and it's okay. really not that fucking bad. Yeah, I know. Okay, I get, I get it now. I actually, I'm big on talking about that a good Mm bit. Is uh, yeah, I get it. People wanting to make out like they've got—that's what I meant earlier when I said you got a basic white girl that breaks a nail and think the world is ending. It's it's, that's not the example. This is a metaphor. To whereas there's some people that just think they have it so fucking bad and they really don't.
1: Well, like, like I was saying, like you know, even through all the trauma I've been through. Like and then like dealing with my son now. And um sometimes I just wanna pull my hair out and I'm like, Why? Why after everything I've been through, do you have to give me such a special need child? Like I love him to death. Don't get me wrong, I love my son. But he's always gonna live with me. He's never gonna be able to be on his own. He, like I said, he he still can't do basic functions for himself. And then at the same time, I'm still getting abused by him. I get punched, bit, slapped, um, cussed at on a daily basis by him because there's nothing that we can. We tried everything. I've get people that will look at me and be like, "Spank it out of him." I'm like, "You don't think I hadn't tried to spank it out of him? You don't?" Um, or tell me, um make that kid walk. I'm like, look, if he gets out of the buggy and tries to walk, he's going to run out that damn door and be gone. Like, I mean, I'm talking about like the counselors at school systems when the first time he was in school in kindergarten, they just flunked him because they were like, he just cries all day and sits in the corner like he, we can't get him to do anything. Like, they didn't even know he could read for two years. Yeah. Okay, and it turns out he's super smart and he reads way above level. Math, oh my God, he's a math genius. Um, But before then, before he got the right teacher, before he got the right person to deal with him, he was so far behind.
0: Well, I think that's what everybody and, with everything like, yeah, and um, I don't know. You think you have a lot on your plate now, but you got to realize maybe a lot of people. You're probably your own purpose. There's something special for you. God, God doesn't give you. I know that you have a lot to do every day. It's obviously you have a lot mentally to deal with your son being that way,
2: yeah.
0: but you. You, there's, there's something coming for you, there's a blessing coming for you, but you only get it if you handle all these situations with grace.
1: I try, I try, but like I said, like, it's hard. So it, it I'm makes, not saying yeah, I promise it makes not it hard, hard to be able to do these things that I'm trying to do. Yeah, like I said, I try to work, couldn't work, so I'm like, well, what can I do? So that's when I decided to do the t shirts and stuff from home. Yeah, um, and I do the education stuff when I can, like the trainings and stuff. Um, my husband will will watch the kit like today. <laughs> he may not like it, but he's there. Yeah. He I'm surprised he's not blowing up my phone going, I can't, what I do, what I do. Help me, <laughs> help me. Uh, SOS here. Um, but yeah, I try um I try to do what I can. Yeah. Well, you're doing a good job. Just um,
0: know that you're handling it well, very, very well to most or most people would have failed by now. You're still going forward okay. and that's what matters. That's what matters. But um, I want you to drop your social media handles one more time. I want you to tell them the name of the book, where they can get the book, and where they can reach out to you on social media. Because I got a feeling a lot of folks after hearing this are gonna want to talk to you.
1: Okay. Um, it's you can reach out to Victoria's Lighthouse Human Trafficking Support on Facebook or at Victoria's Lighthouse on uh, TikTok. Um. You can get the book. It is on Amazon. I self-published on Amazon. Um, so right now, I don't even charge for the book. The only cost, cool. um, it only costs like $3. And that's just for the printing and shipping. Because like I said, it's not about a profit. It's not about that for me. It's about people understanding um, where I came from and the trauma after trauma after trauma and breaking it. Uh, that's what it's for is to help other people and um, you can actually get it on Kindle as well. So if you are an unlimited Kindle subscriber, it's free. Uh, for the other people, it's only $0.99. Cents.
0: That's cool. Well, uh, Miss April, I appreciate you coming to the show. And uh, in the future, if you need anything, uh, you know, you're part of the Raising Grace family now. So anytime uh, you need anything, you let us
1: know. Well, there is one thing What's you that? can help me with. What's that? <laughs> so my ultimate goal is to make a shelter. For the boys that have been abused, there's, mm-hmm. there's a, only, only a handful of beds, like 10 beds for teenage girls um, in Georgia that has been abused um, in the trafficking. And when I mean children, right, uh, that most of them are through the foster system. So when they get out, they get thrown back in. And instead of getting a bed where they can get more help that they need. Um, so my ultimate goal is to have a shelter for boys. Um, that happened through uh, human trafficking. Um, so if you know anybody that can reach out, um, wants to help get that off the ground, uh, I've came close with a few people that were gonna donate like a building or house or whatever, but it, it never came through. I think, I think we know some people. Um, yes,
0: yeah, no, so I, that, I think, I the next think we step. know some people that could help with that. <laughs> Tell you what, uh, me and you'll talk more about that off here. But no, I think I can help you. I think I think we can line something up. We can we can. Let me figure something out with that.
1: That, That's definitely the next step for Victoria's Lighthouse.
0: Well, I'm proud of you. You keep doing the damn thing. And, folks, thank each and every one of y'all for listening to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey. Y'all check her out. Y'all be a helping hand. Y'all be an angel. Uh, You know, this woman's doing a good thing, and I hope all of y'all are too. Thank y'all. Love y'all. See you next time.